2: Shake Them Ropes, Jeff Hawkins here, along with Chris Novembrino. Hi, kids. Uh, today, uh, just a quick plug. Those of you who are Patreon subscribers got an extra special surprise treat. Myself and Rob McCarran talking mostly baseball, a subject I know nothing about. But for one measly dollar, you can hear me and him talk. A little wrestling sandwiched uh, by some baseball talk there. It's shakethemropes.com or patreon.com slash shakethemropes. Chris, news coming out of California. A Couple woke up to look at their ring video and noticed that a man had been licking their doorknob for or doorbell for three, three hours.
1: Hours. What
2: kind of what kind of drug makes one want to lick a doorbell? Um, you know, man. Hours?
1: I don't even know. I I, I bet you it's some like weird combination drug, but I've been down on these ring doorbells there. I I was really alarmed by the new thing that Google was coming out with where they want to be able to actually scan the delivery driver's face and tell them who the delivery driver's face is. But this is the other side of ring doorbells. I do kind of want to know if someone's showing up and just licking my house i i can understand wanting to know about that
2: yeah that that's something I've never heard of, you know, and now that every time I close my door it's weird uh I'll tell you one thing I'm putting that on my tinder profile if i ever that you
1: don't lick doorbells like that, that you have no I'm ring scared. reports
2: no 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 that no that that I can that I can lick a door doorbell for three hours i mean i I'm guaranteed at least at one swipe right
1: you gotta be careful that people might read that as some sort of code. <laughs>
2: So we have a little Raw, a little Smackdown. Uh, I'm going to start with the Hulk Hogan thing. I uh, I, I, am of... V-
1: Where are you at on the Hulk Hogan thing? I'm
2: uh, in a number of different places, uh, as I am in most things. People have every right to be angry. I do not deny people's anger at all. Um, I think if they are deeply offended, though... I think it is up to them to walk away rather than stamp their feet and expect the company to bend to their whims. If you are deeply offended, it is on you, and the bravest thing you can do is walk away with your money because they're not going to care, and you can walk away knowing with a clear conscience. Because look, my, my friend Brian, who's been on the show, used to write for With Spandex, Brian O'Connell. When the, when the Saudi Arabia thing hit, he goes, that's it, I'm done. I'm done with this company. And I, while I might disagree with him on some of the nuances of the situation, I respect the hell out of him for walking with his money and going, going elsewhere. If you are that deeply offended by Hulk Hogan coming back for the death of his friend, despite everything that Hogan said, you should walk. And I have no problem with that either. Because WWE is a crap company. They've been doing this kind of crap for years. Now, that said, I told you I had a very bad analogy about this.
1: Yeah, I want to hear this bad analogy.
2: Michael Corleone let Fredo come back for his mom's funeral. That did not mean that Michael Corle- that everything was cool with the family. That did not mean that Michael Corleone was not eventually going to kill Fredo. Spoiler alert, Godfather Part 2. It did not mean all was well. It did not mean they were brothers again. It did not mean that they were hugging, smiling, happy family again. It just meant mom's death is kind of important. We're allowing him back for this time. But everything's not cool. That's the way I viewed this. I, I understand people's cynicism about, well, you know what this is going to mean. That means means he's back and happy and, and oh, they're going to use this for marketing and all this other stuff. I just thought, it. you know what, maybe there's a certain sect of people that while their anger is duly noted, kind of have to relax a little bit because Mean Gene's very important to the history of the WWE. Hulk Hogan and Mean Gene are, are linked at the hip, In terms of careers, I think you kind of have to, you know, give a little leeway here if, if, I mean, if you're not completely offended. You can be angry, but at the same time, you have to understand what's going on here.
1: So I was talking with my friend about an hour and a half to two hours before the show, and I stated to him my opinion that. If Hulk Hogan could somehow show up on Monday Night Raw and make this about the importance of his interactions with Mean Gene and how Mean Gene was really important for his career and not make it about Hulk Hogan and somehow transcend himself a little bit, if only for a moment... I would be okay with him doing this, but I, I had deep, deep reservations that he had the ability to do that. And I guess I'll preface this with saying that I think Hulk Hogan sucks as a person, and he's not admirable, and uh, th- there's nothing to like about this guy. Even even before all the more high-profile stuff, there's been just a, a litany of horrible Hulk Hogan stories. I, I mean, Hulk Hogan's the ultimate liar, Um, Yes. So so all of that said, I thought that Monday night went about as good as it possibly could have went. I thought that Terry Bollier managed to actually be Terry Bollier for a moment there and that there was a moment of something real buried in all of that Hulk Hogan-y bullshit that drives me crazy about him. Um, and, And I thought that the way the segment was sequenced out was about Gene, and it wasn't about Hogan, and it wasn't allowed to be about Hogan. And Hogan knew that and respected that and made sure that this was about Gene. I I didn't have a problem with this, but I I don't like Hulk Hogan. It didn't change my mind about Hulk Hogan in the slightest.
2: My my opinions of Hulk Hogan are, are very well known. I hate the guy, never liked him as a wrestler, never really liked WWF all that much, to be honest with you. Um, I, I'm going to push back a little bit. I thought this, I thought this tribute, I thought it was about a 50% of a good tribute. I thought the music video was great. I would have liked a little bit of AWA stuff mixed in there to give the complete history, but I understand they are not obligated to do that as a company. I get that. But that promo where, I mean, it, it just was just a little bit too full of the WWE corporate speak. Let me tell you all guys. He liked nothing more than to entertain you all, and the and the thing that I mean I'm really. I, it was about Gene, but then that that last promo about name dropping all these dead people that are. That were you in you the know that WWF. was actually
1: uncomfortable for me. I, that, me too. To, yes, I didn't it like was that. it was actually kind of painful to think about how all of these figures from my childhood met untimely ends. Um, like or had a, like Gene's the only one who lived out like a full lifespan, but like, you know, Kurt Hennig died. What? How old is he? 42? 43? Um, Macho was like right around 60. A- and it was actually kind of weird and eerie to see Hogan standing as the cheese that stands alone, I mean, other than Flair from that era.
2: Yeah, I, I was a little upset that, uh, I don't know if Flair was unable to make it, but I thought Maybe both of them giving a tribute would have been a nice touch. I understand why they didn't do that either. Um, I, I don't, you know, I just, I, I found that part a bit weird. I, I think, you know, occasionally we we can, uh, we can bring the room down a little and we can have a real moment and a real, real speak. And that's, that was my major issue was it didn't feel like Hogan speaking from the heart about his friend Mean Gene.
1: I don't think he was allowed to speak fully yeah. on that. I, I, I actually felt like Terry wanted to say more right there, and Terry wasn't allowed to say more. So that, that's what I was saying. Like They kept the reins on. I mean, I actually like the Michael Corleone-Fredo thing. Like They really corralled him, but I thought Hogan... Colored inside the lines as best he could.
2: Yeah, I and I I could do without ever seeing Hulk Hogan on television. No, again. I don't ever
1: need to see him again. He he doesn't like that. I, I was fine. Unless with someone that.
2: else dies, and I need, unless Vin, when Vince McMahon passes away, he can come back. He, I have no. Here's problem
1: my with thing. That. Gene and Hogan were pretty good friends, at, like yeah. in real life. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. And so I mean you can hate Hulk Hogan, and you're fine for hating Hulk Hogan. Not just you, but like anyone, the the broader you. But yes. you got to remember, to Gene Okerlund. Terry Bollier is a lifelong friend who he loved. And so, I I mean, you know, you've got to operate within those confines, too, when you're looking at this.
2: Yeah, I I didn't need real American blasting and stuff. I understand why they did it. It's, you know, it's the, the, you know, to get the big pop and things like that. But, you know, a solemn moment would have been cool, too. Um, what what else was I I thinking? Oh yeah, they, my one snarky comment was: Me and Gene loved nothing more than entertaining you fans. I go, well, Me and Gene did like liquor a lot. He might have liked that a little bit more. Um, you know, I, it, it was fine. I like, but I really liked the video tribute. I, I thought that was a nice. That was really nice well done. I mean, the video team
1: does a really good job when they are allowed to kind of put that stuff together.
2: So uh in in addition to all that I'm going to I'm going to put over our 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 uh, deconstruction of Mean Gene. I know a lot of sh- other shows did the whole he's a he was a great straight man thing. I did not hear anybody. And you know me, I'm I'm one of the fiercest critics. If I think I did a crap job on this show, I think we did a hell of a job breaking down what made Mean Gene a great straight man. I, I, am I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of that piece of audio. So if you guys want to listen to it, go back to our year in review, listen to that part of it. I, I thought Chris, Chris knows more improv theory than, than I, I knew. Cause he said some things that I was like, yes, that's exactly it. How, how did you know? That's what I was thinking. So I, I thought that was some great audio, but we are on the road to the Royal rumble. Chris, where do you want to start?
1: Where do you want to start? I mean, we can start with Raw. We can start with, uh, oh God, how did this show open off? Well, we kicked off with that brawl. Well, and the brawl between Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley that kind of had a wraparound effect as well.
2: I found this Raw weird in a lot of ways. I thought the wrestling was good. The pacing of the whole thing was kind of—and then and then there were some—
1: We're trying new things to weave in between the matches and the promos, and we saw a little bit more of that on SmackDown tonight, too, with Daniel Bryan coming out through the crowd. We're, we're, we're trying new things. I'll give him credit for that.
2: I think they had surrendered. I think they had pretty much surrendered to the national title game for the most part, um, which is understandable. I The other thing that, that I found odd was despite all these long, pretty— good matches, I thought. I thought the matches, with the possible exception of the Elias match, and there were a couple of hiccups in the Sasha Banks-Nia Jax match. Um, some of the endings, though, it was like, they're almost on the cusp of writing smarter characters, but they can't help themselves sometimes. <laughs> you know? And that and carried over a little bit to SmackDown as well, but um, John Cena is on... Raw, because he can go wherever he pleases. He has not yet punched his ticket to WrestleMania. Again, we going with that thing. We get a six-man tag with him, Seth Rollins, and Finn Balor, who... I don't know. Is this a push for Finn Balor? Because I, I can't tell I, anymore. I, I don't
1: know if the way they opened up this show was really all that helpful. Like I, I liked the Drew and Cena interaction, and I was really feeling that. I actually wanted to see them feud it up. And yeah, then I liked the big spillover brawl thing. But that should be a thing where that match gets put off for a couple of hours, and you weave a little story through it rather than just yep. have it immediately turn into a match.
2: I would agree. I I th- I think there's, I think there's some point to that there. But I also think, um, I think Royal Rumble plans, and I think the build to who's going to be the guy at Mania may be playing into this, so they don't want to necessarily give away singles matches here. Um, I you know what the the six man the other side Bobby Lashley. Drew McIntyre and, and Dean Ambrose. <laughs> I thought everything except the ending was kind of cool here. I, I The ending was kind of weird where Dean just comes in, ha, ah, gotcha, curb stomp, one, two, three, and you're like, huh, okay. Uh, but I, I, overall, fun match, long match, kind of, kind of, we're in kind of a time-killing thing here, I think, because of the national title game. Um, <laughs> I I did like uh, Leo Rush. I'm going to get a lawyer. I'm like, yep, here we are. Office politics and and lawyers that that's what uh, that's what uh, brings it up. But uh, the o- the other part, of course, after this, Seth Rollins goes and slaps coffee out of Triple H's hand and goes, "How'd you like that?" And he gets a title match. I was like, "Okay, cool." There's there's your there's your story.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I am here for pro se litigant Leo Rush though. I I think that there's a fun storyline there to be explored.
2: I liked the revival. Tag team title match.
1: Yeah, I liked it too. I was thinking, here's a random thought from this. I was thinking that they need to figure out a way to explain why it's called the Lumberjack Match match without invoking wrestling, I guess. I, I don't understand why they don't explain what a lumberjack match is or why it has its origins in the word lumberjack. But I have to imagine for people who don't understand that, it's, it's just weird. Like, why are these people being called lumberjacks?
2: Yeah. They, they used to do that on a, uh, I think it was the AWA TV all the time where it's like, yep, if you had a problem on a lumberjack and thing, all the lumberjacks would circle around. So one guy couldn't get away. And then, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I liked that the Lumberjacks did not break down into a brawl. Yes. That, that yes. was my favorite part of that, where, where that, those rules of that reality were not skirted. But
1: You know, the other thing I like about the Lumberjacks, too, is that they become visual witnesses to the revival getting screwed over. So it becomes this injustice that the entire tag division saw before their very eyes.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to still process... That loss, a bit, because I understand the story they're building here is that the revival keep on losing, uh, through no fault of their own. At the same time,
1: it leaves Rude and Gable in a weird nowheres land.
2: That, I I think that 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 the revival being tag team specialists should know the rule book, backwards and forwards, and special, you know, loopholes and things like that. I think this is where also. It's fine for them to be angry. I, I loved the idea of a Jim Cornette-like figure, even if it wasn't Jim Cornette, being a manager. So he could go ape all over the official and, you know, maybe do a little shoving between the two of them since wrestlers and referees shouldn't shove each other. You know, to to really get over how angry and how screwed these guys were. Rather than just kind of holding their head and, you know, shrugging their shoulders, have that third guy really go kind of apoplectic on 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 a referee and the officials and even the powers that be in the back, you know, the general manager figure, whoever kind, kind of thing. I think that's why that's another reason why the revival really need that third person out on the outside.
1: Yeah, it wasn't necessarily getting the full effect from the Ascension feeling like this was a grand injustice. I, I guess that's the other f- side of the coin of the Lumberjacks. Although I do like the Lumberjacks as a device for this. It, it's yes. good to have eyewitnesses and a yeah. lot of them.
2: Yeah, the Ascension were like, no, he had the foot on the ropes. I'm like, good on you guys. Keep keep the reality there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um. So we have a women's number one contender on the Raw side. It is Sasha Banks, who will be facing Ronda Rousey. I found this a little interesting. I, I know that Ronda really respects the heck out of out of Sasha. Um, I'm hoping it plays into this build for the tag title belts. Um, there's still that possibility that, that this includes a horsewoman angle throughout uh, the Royal Rumble. Uh, the Nia Jax stuff I think was a bit heavy handed. I still don't know what Alexa Bliss is other than maybe a plot device now. I don't know if she's ever gonna wrestle again. I know that she's trying to get medically cleared, but I don't know if I I don't know how they see her. Uh the match was a little rough between her and Nia Jax. Um but I am interested to see how 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 uh Sasha and, and Rhonda coordinate with one another, and I liked I liked that Sasha came out and kind of got into, for lack of a better term, heal Sasha in terms of, yeah, I'm going to be the first one to defeat you. I like babyfaces that aren't just, you know, respectful, but, you know, they have pride in their own work and they're not going to take any guff from another alpha babyface on the roster.
1: So I was down with edgy babyface Sasha right up until she used the word bitch, and it's not for the obscenity reasons per se. It's that I felt like there was no value added to that exchange at all, and it felt really unnatural when Naya tried to fire back. And so, like, if you can't actually get value added out of the profanities, then don't use them. Like, it, there's no point.
2: It's it starts to circle that uh, misogynist type of uh, writing. And you find way that all women are just gonna call each other bitch and pull pull their hair and stuff like that yeah i i, I agree with you on that one i'm i'm uh I'm going to be intrigued by the bill because I did not see that one coming I thought she was gonna name natty at first and I was like whoa okay cool um yeah and, and speaking of rules uh i I hated the ending to that to the uh false count anywhere between Seth and, and Dean. I
1: like it only because it pays off the fighting at the beginning of the show between Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley. And so enough had happened through the duration of the show that you had forgotten about this seed that was planted at the top of the show. So in terms of planting a seed and then executing on that seed later, I applaud them because WWE, especially on Raw, has not been diligent about doing that in a very long time. So it was good to see that done. I, it didn't necessarily make my heart sing or anything, though. But
2: like, but where was his friends? Where was Seth's friends? That's the thing that the, kills
1: bra- me the about brawl the brawl should have restarted. No, I, I'm with you. So the brawl should have restarted once again, and, and and then that's how the show goes off the air. We've run out of time.
2: Yeah, but you know what? To to circle back to the beginning, it's funny because all I could think of was we always complain when they do a chaos angle that they don't show us actual chaos i would have loved if this brawl between all these guys had lasted the entire show and they could never get them in the ring for actual matches and stuff but i liked the aspect of of at least a little bit of controlled chaos for a while and
1: I would be fine with them going, oh, we've run out of time. I don't want them to do that all the time, but like, yeah. that, that would have been a really good scenario to have the brawl just end with everyone fighting, 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 and we're oh, not out a time. Staple,
2: that's a staple of territory wrestling. The, the, we'll keep our cameras rolling in case anything happens, folks, and we'll show you next week. You know, the hard sell for the next show. That's, I would love them to hard sell me to watch next week they don't do that anymore in raw everything kind of wraps up and and they go, and they kind of, they have cliffhangers occasionally you know like what does this mean for so and so but most of them end on a fairly solid note Without a lot of build, because you know you're pretty much going to get the same thing next week.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a way to pay off the seed that you planted at the start of the show without wrapping things up, too. So to that, in this case, it's you can have the Bobby Lashley attack like, Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. A lot's happened since uh, three hours ago. And, and then everyone's brawling once again, and then we're out of here. And I, I think that's a more satisfying ending than actually having Lashley. I'm with you, because now we're back to stupid, stupid babyface syndrome.
2: Oh, we're going to get plenty of that in SmackDown, but uh, other stuff on Raw. There was just the Elias, Baron Corbin thing. What other matches am I missing?
1: Uh, I, I have nothing to say about Elias and Baron Corbin.
2: Neither do I. Yeah. Were there any other matches on the show? Or
1: I do not believe that there were. Let me okay. double check. Oh, there was Ember Moon and Apollo Crews. You got anything on that?
2: Uh, I think Alicia Fox did the best sell job for the Eclipse.
1: Oh, Alicia's always entertaining. I I mean, Alicia she just is, she's kind of doing nothing, crazy. but she's so yeah. fun.
2: Yeah, I I, uh, <laughs> I I wish they'd break up this team, but uh, oh, I I know what it is. I am Again, I, I think mixed match stuff is going to become the norm rather than just a special thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's where we're going.
2: Yeah, I, it feels like it. It, it creates really...
1: a new division. You might, don't be surprised if you see mixed match tag titles.
2: Oh god, no. No, don't do that to me, Chris, because it's an excuse to get people on the show, but we're just going to be introducing women's tag titles and now mixed tag titles. This is going to be NWA 84, where everybody has a title.
1: I, I This is a company with a really large roster where you have to have storylines, and the way you kind of do storylines in this company is everyone's fighting for belts, and when there's not enough belts, then you have like roster glut, and we see that in other divisions.
2: Maybe not belts, but I do like things like if you win the Mixed Match Challenge, you get number 30 in the Rumble. I thought that was clever. I,
1: I think so. I mean, I, I think that that's given our truth a nice little storyline to keep him going all the way to Royal Rumble. He, this, is, this is a storyline that he can kind of weave week by week through.
2: Chris, I'm going to tell you something.
1: Oh, no. En-
2: environmentalists are always the heels. <laughs> Two of the biggest movies this year. This past year, environmentalists, the heels. And here's Daniel Bryan complaining about, look, I, I went to Survivor Series and NXT at Staples Center. I am no longer allowed. I I got a giant death charge size beverage. I can't get a top to it, and I can't get a plastic straw for it. This is a recipe for disaster. This, <laughs> If someone can solve this problem without paper straws or or something they will become the biggest baby face in my life ever if i because spills abounded let me put it that way at, at the staples center because people were not used to having to handle beverages in this way so there were a lot of people spilling beverages over survivor series weekend daniel bryan is wrong I don't care what he says. <laughs> He's not saving the environment. He's just making people very, very angry about plastic straws. That's that's but I, I liked I liked the promo. I liked everything they shot about that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think uh, Vince likes the word impotent. that's that was his word of the week in whatever word of the day calendar he has in his airplane or something
1: he must have seen something or somebody said the word impotent recently it was like ha ha ha, ha. impotent yes <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean i i like it, it it's fine I, I i think that this new daniel bryan character doesn't actually need any of the eco terrorist stuff to get off the ground.
2: I think it's I think it's making him very mid-cardy.
1: Yeah, I, I think he could just be a lunatic and be a main event character. Um, yeah. and, and the promo that he did later on in the show where he was just yelling um, just at the top of his lungs I was like, "Yes, I'm into that." Cuz like that to me is a main event level heel. Um, he's a maniac. He's self-obsessed. He's deluded. That that is a heel. Absolutely. Uh the the eco stuff uh, it's just yeah, mid-cardy is the right way to describe it.
2: Yeah, I mean I, the 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 thing with the people on the outside and the concession stands and I, I yeah, I I I liked the idea. I I liked the presentation too. The presentation I thought was fairly solid. I just it's I'd much rather be him be a lunatic about keeping the title than being a lunatic about saving the world. I think that's my disconnect there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or or if he had much more of a direct lineage to saving the world is saving the title, that the title is the world.
2: Or having more of a savior complex, even.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: not, not Not in terms of the CM Punk straight edge society thing where he wanted to be a messiah or something like that no like
1: i'm saving this company i'm saving wrestling i'm saving the dignity of this belt like you all should be thanking me i'm i'm making the there's a way for him to be doing the i'm making the world a better place angle without it being about carbon emission
2: yeah i i think that's just stuff that I that's mean, Vince I, I stuff. Like,
1: like, that's Vince yeah, that's not Vince being stuff. able... That's him not being able to transcend his own political hang-ups. And, and it's actually dragging down a character that could be stronger.
2: Although I'm saying, plastic straws, bring them back. That's all I want. Just, I, I want a plastic straw, Chris. And a plastic top for my beverage. Please. Please. <laughs> I spilled a 32-ounce Coke on myself. Uh,
1: <laughs> I hope that turtle chokes.
2: Well... Uh, No, it's a turtle
1: right right
2: my 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 comfort over my diet coke
1: (laughs) no i know that stand might never come out you're right (laughs) i feel for you
2: speaking of baby stupid baby face syndrome um so mandy rose wore a towel all the way from the hotel to the arena Uh, (laughs) oh god
1: makes me want to peel off my face. I'm I'm so checked out on this Mandy Rose. And actually the beatdown thing easily the stupidest thing of the week where you have Sonia Deville pummeling Naomi repeatedly in the stomach in this 201 thing and Naomi's not keeping up in a convincing way at all. So like there's no reason why uh, Rose and Deville shouldn't have gotten the better of Naomi almost immediately. I like I that whole thing was weak. Jimmy's reaction was weak in the back. I uh, did not like any of this at all whatsoever.
2: Yeah, it, it's mildly uncomfortable. Yeah. For me to watch this, I think I think there's there's a way to do these types of storylines, and this is the kind of way you do the storyline in 1996. It's not the way you should be doing the storyline in 2018. Or even 2019. Thank you. Get the year right, stupid.
1: <laughs> it, it wouldn't have been a good way to do it last year, though, either.
2: No, no. It, it, there, there's. It needs a little bit more forethought, a little bit more planning out, a little bit more. Even you know, uh, uh you know, one week we see in the beginning, Sonia and Mandy going. Look, we need to get an edge in this division. Who, who can we pick on that has a weak spot? Oh, it's Naomi. Oh, I got a way to do that, and then you you kind of get the wheels turning. I I just the the sex pot gimmick is fine. I I have no problem with that. It, it was just huh girl huh towel huh she, yeah, and then it gets kicked off the apron, and you're just like oh my god. Stupid baby face syndrome has come in after a nice hard hitting tag match, and I was kind of enjoying that match.
1: Yeah, I was kind of enjoying that match even though that pairing is just not fresh for me at all It's like after no. after we got through that threshold for me, I was like, ah, but they're having a good match again because I do like them uh it, it, it's just they're not fresh. they're a good pairing though and, but yeah I, I I just this this isn't selling for me, this isn't working for me.
2: No, I I liked uh, I kind of liked it when they were splitting up a little bit more. Mandy and uh, and Sonya. Yes, I was to see more. What just, they would be doing.
1: I mean, that's the other thing is with Mandy as a sex pod, it really leaves Sonya as just a second. And I I was more interested in seeing Mandy and Sonya kind of go their own ways and becoming their own characters a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I I would agree with that. Uh, although with the Usos losing. It appears we are getting a tag team title match between the Daddy's Issues team of Miz and Shane McMahon versus the Bar. Uh I I'm finding Miz's flakiness endearing in this whole thing. That's
1: there's a hapless boobery about him that yeah. that is, that is fun and and yeah, he's still delusional, but he is delusional in a way like for a cause that is like at least somewhat noble here and Shane is going along with it and even when the Miz went out he, he managed to straddle the line of still staying consistent to the Miz character who is a self-obsessed dork um but also like accomplishing a babyface goal and accomplishing getting like babyface sympathy by getting beat up by the bar I, I, I liked all of this
2: I think it's a 50-50 feud, but I really liked the fact that Cien Almas got the pinfall on Ray in that tag match with AJ and and Mustafa Ali versus him and Joe. I thought everybody kind of came off the way they should have come off here. I, I think Joe came off as a badass. Mustafa Ali had some great moves. I think the crowd wanted the face win, but I think it was better for them to give the heels a little shine, and I liked that they reestablished. Almus as kind of a badass in, in a way, letting him hit his finisher. Ray took took, I mean, Almus took that uh, reverse hurricanrana on the head where, or actually, it was almost a Canadian destroyer, wasn't it? That that he took.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, no, um, yeah, he took a good Canadian destroyer. Because Corey yeah. called it a
2: pile driver. No, I was shocked that made air. I was like. That 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 term is not allowed on WWE television for the most part, unless you unless you put the term tombstone ahead of it, and it's and it's Kane or the Undertaker doing it. So I was surprised that that got through, but I liked that uh, I liked that Ray took the fall here, and I liked. Uh,
1: I, I liked bet you the Graves was uh, not wanting to call it a Canadian destroyer. I think he was just trying to dodge that and he called it a power driver yeah. instead.
2: That's true. That's very, very true. I, I like this. What do you think?
1: I I came around on this. I mean, I, Ray Ray's not someone who necessarily rocks my world, but yeah, when I saw a Canadian destroyer on my television screen, I was like, oh, okay, all right,
2: all right. Well, I was glad he was the one that took the fall because I thought for sure Mustafa Ali was going to.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. I I think that's good too. Um. No. I I think that Mustafa Ali is getting settled in nicely on this roster here, and um. I'm interested in seeing how this feud ends up shaking out with him and Joe.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm, Joe is. Joe is one of those guys, man, that I think every time they build them up big, they never really go that next step. That's
1: the problem. I mean, it's not. This match actually has the potential of being a very, very good match and like kind of a sleeper match because people are not going to necessarily be expecting that from Joe on the main roster. If you were watching him on NXT, it was a little bit different. But um, this main roster run, I mean, they refused to put the belt on him for one, right? Like, I mean, that that's a big problem. Uh, he should have had a big, long, sustaining belt run so that he really comes off as a menace because his theme song really has a... You know, a mood of menace about it, but we don't know. As main roster viewers, we don't know enough about this guy as to why this guy's such a menace. I,
2: I, I, I won't say I liked. I'm, I'm intrigued at least by Rusev and Nakamura. Because I liked that that Rusev turned off the charming stuff and basically said, "I'm going to break every bone in your body because that's my wife." And I really like that Nakamura is kind of playing the I'm not really the bad guy here your wife brought this on himself card I like the notion of a bad guy who thinks he's justified
1: right 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 they were denying his own agency and the whole interaction that like I mean because the whole way that Nakamura's version of events even gets off of the ground is that you ignored the initial conceit of Nakamura brought himself into the ring to interrupt this promo in the yeah. first place
2: yeah I I, I dug that I, I'm 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 all for this feud. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna say it's gonna be a, a classic in any ways, but uh, I think both guys are guys that need need some uh, need something to keep keep that. I'm still interested. not
1: all the way on the Rusev as babyface character. Like like, there's something missing from this a little, a little
2: bit. He's a little too in 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 on the joke.
1: Yes. Yeah. They. I, the weird self-referential lines of like yes. how I have a body like an Adonis and that sort of thing. I mean, like that's supposed to be funny, but I I need him to be a bit more of an airhead, um and, uh, that's not exactly happening. Like, really, what should be happening is he's the bronze and she's the beauty and the brains. Um, like that should be their marriage dynamic.
2: That feels like you know what that feels like. It feels like a Vince, uh, director's note or something. Like it's it's like. Well, you're really ugly. Call yourself beautiful all the time.
1: Right, 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 right. Um, That's what that feels like to I, me. I want him almost, uh, like, kind of like Rusev 1.0. I want him to be the crush guy. Like, like the crush guy who also wants to be a good husband. But, like, those are his two kind of defining personality traits. A little bit of a goofy guy, a little bit of an airhead, uh, but good heart and likes to crush stuff.
2: Yep, I'm, I'm for that, too. Uh Let's see. The only other thing I can think of is uh, we had a women's number one contender match for the SmackDown women's title match at Royal Rumble. Uh, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Carmella... I really liked this match. Yeah, I this is a, this I is a good match. thought Carmella held her own, too. Yes. I, I know people want to dismiss Carmella a lot. I think she played her role perfect in this match. I This week I, was
1: really good for both R-Truth and Carmella, I thought. I thought that R-Truth, uh, like, opening up by attacking Daniel Bryan made him look real strong, and even though you didn't think that he was going to beat Daniel Bryan, um, I, I thought he left that match feeling stronger than when he came into that match, and I felt the same way with Carmella. They were on similar arcs, too. You were talking about them not just liking to have fun, but also taking this seriously, and Carmella did a lot in her promos to rehabilitate herself, and she's usually pretty good on the mic.
2: I I'm gonna I'm gonna go back a bit. I think I think the fact that commentary put over R Truth as being justified in attacking Daniel Bryan
0: That, helped, the a that helped a lot Beat
2: beatdown That helped a lot hell of a lot for R Truth right there. I, I liked that little note. Um I liked I liked that they just kind of moved out of the way for Charlotte's moonsault on the outside. <laughs> Charlotte just kicked her or something. I thought that was a cool little touch as opposed to, you know what, there's not a lot of women who are going to be catching Charlotte on the outside. Why even pretend? Just move out of the way and let her land on her feet out there. Uh, I, I find Beck the choice of Becky interesting. Because I, 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 I still think the the money in this whole thing is Becky winning that women's rumble. And I still think she might, I think she, she loses the title match and enters the rumble. I, I I still think that's where her story is told rather than having her beat Oscar. But I also really liked, (laughs) and it's obvious that, that Beck, that, that Oscar or her said something to the other that made them laugh because, because her corpsing during the stare down, it was endearing I'm not sure it was the message they wanted to get across, but I still liked the stare-down where Oscar, who is always entertaining, just jawing and looking angry, and, and Becky at the end of the show. I really dug that, too.
1: No, I like this. I, I think you're dead on. I, I don't think the money is in getting the belt back on Becky right now. I think the money is keeping her in the chase— so that she can eventually cross paths with Ronda, and I mean, like that's really like, that's the final destination for Becky. The belt is just a means to get there.
2: Yeah, no, just some good, some good uh, timing on the kicks by Carmella. I still like the code of silence when she sticks that thing in because it looks vicious as hell. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's Charlotte, a good looking move. Uh, yes, yeah. Charlotte was great too. I mean, everybody here clicked. I thought this was a fun show. Again, I think both shows were pretty fun. A little clunky in the angles, but both. Good shows.
1: So the one thing I would have done different in the finish is I actually would have had Becky tap out Charlotte because I I want to plant the seed of why Charlotte is going to turn heel on everybody. Like, Charlotte needs to have a few defining losses before she goes full heel.
2: You know what? I I, I was intrigued by that as well. I I thought it was a little too easy to have Carmella be the one to tap. But at the same time, I thought that there's a chance... That they're gonna move over Charlotte to, to face Ronda eventually, so they don't want to beat her just yet, too. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree with you on on that that point. I do think uh, I think tapping out Charlotte would have done wonders, and I don't think Charlotte uh, Charlotte would have been hurt by that.
1: Yeah, and I don't think Carmella is strong enough. Like, like, if you wanted to do the whole rehabilitation angle thing with Carmella, it, it sounds minor, but not having her tap out tonight, I think, would have helped a lot to keep her at the level you built her up to tonight.
2: I thought they were going to save her. I thought yes. they were going to save her uh, on that one. I think she tapped out a bit too quick. Um, To be honest with you, I would have liked to have seen her struggle a little bit more if she was going to be the one to tap out. I, I agree with you on that one. I, I think, and I, I wasn't sure, I thought originally the point you were going to make here was that beating Carmella is not how do i put it it's not a tough enough foe to help really propel becky into that kind of program beating charlotte as a strong win even in a 3 3 way would have would have been a nice Rocket on on this program with Oscar.
1: That's the other side of it. Is you need to get Carmella up to a certain level of credibility, and she's not there yet. And so it, it, she, you know, she's not a jobber, but like in the context of this roster, she is. Um, she's the jobber of the stars. Sure.
2: You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris Novembrino at C H R I S N O V E M B R I N O. You can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Shake Them Ropes. Coming up on the second show this week, Chris, we have a preview we have to do for NXT UK's first takeover.
1: I will be watching that, and we will be breaking down that as well as all of the action on 205 Live and NXT US. So make sure you check that out in the second part of the week. And you can find Topic. my other show. There we go. At <laughs> I was segueing. You guys just let me, you know, do my thing here. You're, I was
2: gonna feed you. I was gonna, I was trying to be supportive. Oh,
1: you're turning me into one of those feeders, <laughs> huh? Okay, I've seen this on YouTube. I know how these stories end. It's horrible. Uh, you can find my other show at Don'tWorryTV. Don't worry about the government is also available on iTunes and Stitcher. We got two new episodes out. One's out already. Another won't be out probably in, in the next twenty four hours. Probably around the time. Hearing this, so get on to iTunes and Stitcher and check out Don't Worry About the Government today.
2: Don't go licking any doorbells.
0: promise i love you so much i wrote you a little poem tessa and i memorized it roses are red violets are blue tessa i love you i love you baby come back to me i'm gonna beat you to death next week bill dundee here it comes again lunch will it be the same old same old